Have you ever felt so exhausted and drained that you're left questioning if you're burning out? Hi, I'm Flick Taylor, and my passion for burnout and self-care came about when I became a mental health writer who'd lost her mental health to extreme burnout. I know, the irony is not lost on me. Join me as I host Everyday Burnout Conversations, the honest podcast that shares the stories of others, more walks of life as they recover from, manage and avoid burnout by prioritising their mental health and well-being. Expect to hear fascinating conversations, plus positive and actionable tips and tricks that can help you make the simple life changes your mental health will thank you for. Episodes will be delightfully wrapped up in some epic truths and great humour. So, enjoy! Today I share an everyday burnout conversation with Selena Barker. Selena is a career and life design coach, author and podcaster dedicated to helping people not only take their dreams seriously, but create the life and career they really want to live too. Over the past 12 years, she's coached a long list of clients from Google directors to recording artists, best-selling authors and leaders in the creative and music industry, as well as over 3,000 people globally who've been through her online courses. Selena created the Audible series, The Career Change Coach, along with one of my faves, The Monday Crew, a free slice of hope and inspiration delivered to your Monday inbox thanks to her mini podcast and weekly check-in tour. She also founded Project Love with Vicky Pavitt, a love and dating coach for women. Project Love's Goodbye, Hello, End of Year Journal has become an annual staple review for so many now. I've ordered my copy of the Goodbye 2021 Hello 2022 Journal and I can't wait to tuck in. I'm very grateful for it being available worldwide. Now, it was thanks to Emma Gannon sharing her personal story of burnout and crediting Selena's help and support for her own recovery that led me to discover Selena's latest book, Burnt Out, The Exhausted Person's Guide to Thriving in a Fast-Paced World. Well, Selena's brilliant book packs a mighty punch. Her breakdown of how burnout affects you, along with the practical guidance you need to start building yourself back up again, it is powerful. Despite the immense information this book holds, I particularly love how easy it is to read and digest because after all, Selena knows what it's like to be burnt out along with all of its brain fog and limited energy. It was such a privilege to chat with Selena. She is so warm, genuine and down to earth that honestly I'd felt like I'd known her for years. And to be honest, I was so excited to talk all things burnout with her that Honestly, I felt really excited like a little kid in a sweet shop. I bloody love this chat and I just know it's going to help so many listening who are either teetering on the edge of burnout or are in the full throes of some tough days. So without further ado, here's Selena Barker. (laughs) So Selena, oh my goodness. This is, I can't believe I'm actually sat here with you. This is so, so exciting for those listening. I'm going to try and keep a lid on it, but you know what? I don't know. I might take that lid off. Take that lid off. (laughs) It is such a, oh, such a privilege and honour to be sat here chatting with you because your book 
it is one heck of a powerhouse and i think it's going to be so lovely to hear what you have to say about burnout and to explain about burnout because i don't know about you i think a lot of people are cruising into burnout and they don't even realize in it yeah and and i say that because i was one of them and even when you can be knee deep in it and still go oh i'm fine just a little bit stressed yeah i i'm okay so i think this is going to be so helpful for so many people and honestly i think the first thing you need to do is just write down Burnt Out, The Exhausted Person's Six-Step Guide to Thriving in a Fast-Paced <laughs> World by Selena Barker. Order it, get it in your basket now. <laughs> That's the best thing you can do today. And now you can listen to this. <laughs> so, Selena, I would love to start off with, I would love to know a little bit about your brushes with burnout and what led you to write this incredible book. So the thing that really kind of got me wanting to write this book, I've been a, a life and a life design and career change coach for over a decade. And what I started to see was more and more people coming to me because they had burnt out or were, or were feeling what perhaps they didn't realise was burnout. And I also started to see more and more of my friends and more and more smart, caring, ambitious people burning out just on trying to live their lives and do their work. And what really concerned me was how much it was being accepted as this is just how life is. This is just how modern life is. Work is stressful. You know, this is, and, and even worse, actually, it was, it was starting to also be used as a badge of honor sometimes. Oh my God, I'm so burnt out. And I was just like, this, this is, this has to stop. This is not okay. And I'm seeing more and more of my friends really hit, either have big burnouts or have what I call mini burnouts. And that's something that I had experienced for about three or four years. And when I say mini burnouts, it was like I'd push and push and go for it and go for it and go for it, not look after myself, not listen to my body, really like going for it, health for leather with work, playing hard, working hard, burning the candle at all ends. And then suddenly, boom, I'd hit a wall and it was like a fuse had gone in my brain. And suddenly I'd be, and I always remember one of the times standing at supermarket aisle thinking, I just need a packet of crisps to get myself home and trying to choose what favor of crisps and finding the trying to make that decision so overwhelming that I almost burst into tears and being like I've done it again I have burnt out yet again and it would happen about two or three times a year and I remember there was a point where I um I designed these end of year journals the goodbye say this year will be goodbye 2021 hello 2022 journal with over at project love and one year I wrote in it I only burnt out twice this year. Like it was, yes. And then the following year was like, I actually only had one mini burnout this year. And then finally the year where I went, I'm so proud of myself because I've really learned how to look after myself. And while there have been moments where I felt exhausted, moments of fatigue, things like that, I haven't actually burnt out. And so I I had experienced it myself. I'd come through the other side, but I was starting to see all this real, real increase of people burning out more and more. And I was just like, something has to be done. I love creating toolkits. I love taking people on journeys to help them set themselves free and figure out what's wrong and, you know, figure out when they're feeling stuck, when they are feeling stuck in career and stuck in life. And I was just like, right, I want to figure out, first of all, what's causing so many people to burn out? And secondly, what I can do to help them 
regain their energy, build themselves back up and break free from that burnout cycle. I will also add to this that as a child, I saw my father have a massive burnout. So when I was about 12, he, um, and it's and it was such a, had such a profound impact on me because obviously, first of all, I saw him have a nervous breakdown. But the person he was, I, uh, from that point, there was the father my father before the burnout and my father after the burnout felt like two different people because the father before he had the burnout was very angry very prone to like flying off the handle highly stressed extremely exhausted when we did see him he was at home he'd be usually lying asleep on on his armchair with headphones on like just literally blocking out the world after the the the, at the time it was called a nervous breakdown but massive burnout he was a much more balanced, relaxed, happier person. And he rediscovered his passion for sailing, which he'd had to sort of leave when he was younger, when he had kids and, you know, didn't have the time for it. He used to race boats, he used to be like a crew on racing boats. And the doctor said to him, you need to have another passion other than work because you're completely, you're a complete workaholic, totally obsessed with work. And just, and having a family isn't enough of a pull to keep you away from work. You need to have something that you can be equally obsessive about, but that, you know, but that's actually nourishing for you. So he got back into sailing and it re kind of kindled a dream of his to sail around the world. And so about five years after he'd had the the massive burnout where he wasn't sure if he'd be able to ever go back to work. So there was a big scary time for him and my mum because he was the the breadwinner and she was a stay at home mum. But he had this dream. He says, I've got to do it. I've got to sail around the world. And so he fixed his sort of sights on that dream. And he did. He ended up retiring at um, the age of 55, just as I left university. So that all had to be part of the plan. He's like, well, I'm going to have to retire early. I'm going to have to have the money to buy a boat and all these sorts of things. And he did. And he eventually sailed around the world and also ended up sailing to the Antarctic with my brother, which is pretty unheard of for people with their own boats, a brother and and a couple of friends. And he discovered this love for life and nature and the sea and this he's like a totally different person as a result so what I had seen from a very early age was both what happens when you are burnt out the impact on your children the impact on your family the suffering that happens as a result but also what I saw was how when you do burn out and hit that rock bottom that it can be such a turning point in your life and it can be the beginning of a very positive shift and, you know, the beginning of a positive change. So surprise, surprise, I became a career change coach. (laughs) It's so... A friend of mine said the other day, she said, do you know, I hadn't really thought before about the fact that of course you wrote this book considering what happened to your dad. And I was like, you'd never connected that one before. So I'd had all of this experience around burnout. So I knew that it was an opportunity as much as it was about going hold on you are this is not okay this existence where you're feeling tired and exhausted and and getting to a degree where you're quite can be questioning your own sanity wondering if you even know who you are anymore having panic attacks having all the you know some of the extreme symptoms that i know you had when you burnt out i was just like we when you burn out it's your body and your brain saying stop this is not okay this can't go on. Something has to change. Our bodies are so wise. They're so powerful and they are designed to thrive. I have this whole thing. Our bodies are designed to thrive, but we are hardwired to struggle. 
and so and so we kind of need to sort of, we need to heal the part of us that the inherited idea that you need to struggle to survive and it's understandable why so many of, ha- of us have that in our dna but our bodies are designed to thrive and when they're not thriving they let us know and you know sometimes often i see people who are burnt out or burning out and they'll have an accident that literally knocks them off their feet and into bed the number of times I've seen this happen, I'm like, this, yes! I know one person fell down the stairs, bumped her head, got concussion, got went into bed. Another person got knocked off her bike, her, her, her leg broke. These are clients of mine. And I was just like, yeah, because your body, like, you've literally knocked yourself off your feet. In part, it's because you're functioning on such sort of, perhaps, you know, such a foggy mind that you're more accident prone you could say but you know also illness people get ill when they're burnt out their immunity is lower and again they're forced to rest they're forced into bed so our body you know for me it's like it's like my my brain had gone on strike was like not doing it forget it not not allowing you to work not giving you any the brain capacity now to be able to work or even decide what packet of crisps to choose so now you have to listen and you have to do something and so you know it's from that point where to go how to start recovering from burnout but then how to use it as an opportunity to take a real step back and look at your life and go okay what in the bigger picture what needs to change and I I'm obviously I I'm in the business of change that's what I do I'm a coach that helps people to change I love I love helping other people to change not so comfortable when I have to change it doesn't mean that I am a superhuman that suddenly enjoys change herself I resist change like everyone else I struggle with change like everyone else but I love to help guide people through change and you know that's that's in large part what what burnt out is about it takes you on a journey to see why have I been burning out but before you even do that what can I do right now in this moment if I am burnt out to recover my energy and start bringing myself pulling myself back in and back together and piecing myself back together because as you know you know burnout can feel really I mean I would have mini burnout so it was it never got to that severe degree when you have severe burnout it's it's serious and it can feel incredibly scary yeah you know absolutely you know what I could with my burnout I felt so isolated and I felt a huge amount of shame because I was like why can't I cope with this and I sat with my son and we were watching I don't know like a behind the scenes how Star Wars was created and made it was a series and George Lucas burnt out and obviously this is back in the late 70s early 80s and they said he was hospitalized with a breakdown which wow darling is burnout and he burnt out purely because he was just so focused on trying to achieve this like creating star wars and there were all these issues and whatever and i can remember thinking oh well if george if that happened to george lucas (laughs) maybe i'm all right maybe i'm not weak you know maybe i'm not kind of not coming to the table with a decent like, like it was really interesting so i find the fact that you know your the story of your dad and your experiences no wonder this book is is as incredible as it is because it really is you can tell this is a book the foundation steps are experience 
and it's so mm. real. And what's so amazing about it, it's a real powerhouse of if you can't necessarily afford coaching, counseling, therapy, whatever, at that time, this book will help take you through some steps until you can. And it's just incredible the way it's laid out. It's these digestible, easy to read chunks that just hit home. Because for something that's so simple and laid out beautifully, my goodness, there's a lot of information there. <laughs> oh God. Every page I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's good. I didn't know that. It's fantastic. So no wonder you are a career change coach. No wonder you are a burnout expert because it's, you know, who you are and you do it so, so well, so well. It's incredible. Thank you so much. So what I would love you to share, there's so much I want to try and get out of you. And what (laughs) I would love you to talk about is the burnout archetypes because I... It'll be interesting. I think a lot of people will resonate with some of these traits. So if you could touch on that, that'd be incredible. People love the burnout archetypes. I'm always asked about the burnout archetypes. So yeah, so this is where I started to see. So I interviewed hundreds of people who'd been through um, burnout and who'd come through the other side and had obviously coached a lot of people who'd been burnt out over the years. And as I was kind of looking at sort of gathering together the different ways that burnout kind of, the, the different symptoms of burnout, but also how, if you look at how people are behaving as they're heading into burnout, I noticed that there were sort of different types of behavior and I started to sort of see a bit of a pattern and and these four burnout archetypes emerge one was the overdoer one was the overthinker the overachiever and the overgiver and you absolutely can be more than one and often you can be all four (laughs) I will I just want to come back though to what you were saying about that feeling of shame it's really common for people to feel ashamed about having burnt out to feel that they are weak because usually burnout happens to strong capable generous caring smart people smart and ambitious and driven people that's who it tends to happen to and we feel shame and we feel um like it's some kind of weakness because it's because we are strong and because we're the ones that normally look after people and because we're the capable ones and what i always say is burning out does not mean that you have failed what it means is that you have been failed usually by the systems around you so if you're if you've been employed and you've burnt out, have a look at the toxic productivity, the toxic work culture, the pressures from the top, the lack of care about your well-being from the top. Like that is, I mean, that is the world of work most of us live in. Mm-hmm. You've got the discrimination as well, you know. So the, the world of work is not designed for the majority of us to thrive. It's only designed for a small minority of people to thrive. And even the white, straight, highly educated man 
It's yeah. not usually set up for him to thrive either because he's not a machine and we expect everyone to operate like machines. We've got this post-industrialist idea that people, workers are like machines. The more hours we put in, the faster we work, the more we'll put out. It doesn't work that way because we're human beings who've got kind of confused along the way and think we can operate like machines. So even if you work for yourself and you can't blame it on your boss, you can't blame it on your toxic work culture, you are a product of a society that views work and views productivity in this way that you know the faster you work you know we 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 celebrate long hours hard work and if you think about the language we have around work nose to the grindstone the treadmill the um deadlines it's like why do we have the word deadlines it not you know induces panic and it induces urgency and everyone running around in the state of distress and panic and urgency is what creates, <clears throat> excuse me, is what creates um, a sort of hotbed for burnout to happen. And even when we go and work for ourselves, see my burnout happened when I was working for myself. I was my own boss and I loved what I did. And I say this in the book, having seen what happened to my father, I went totally the other way. I was just like, I'm gonna do something that is really meaningful to me. Although what I did discover years later is that he did love, what really loved what he did. Um, and I hadn't realized that as a child, but he was a massive workaholic. But I thought if I work for myself, I do something that makes a difference, do something that I love, then I'll be immune to burnout. And if anything, I think it made me worse because I really cared and I really wanted to make a difference and I worked for myself so then you've got the added pressure that I there's no guarantee there's not someone just going to pay me every month no matter how much I work or how well I do like it was all on me so there was that added pressure of that and so um but even even when you do work for yourself the systems around us that have failed us are the systems of capitalism are the systems of you know that this the, the product the our ideas of productivity the narratives were given the narratives were given that to be a good person but particularly a good woman and my god if you become a mother like forget it you shouldn't oh. have need you shouldn't have needs at all but to be a good person to be when you become an adult you're supposed to be being of service to others it's other people's needs now that matter more than yours and so that's another sort of system and narrative a sort of mindset in place that also causes us to burn out and so it's really important to recognize that of course you burn out Like, I'm surprised more people haven't burnt out. And now, because of the global pandemic, all the reports are coming back that 80% of people, and this is global, like the global reports, all in the 80s, in different countries, 80% of people or more are reporting having felt a degree of burnout over the past, well, now 18 months, but the reports have been saying 12 months during the pandemic. And, And for me, it's emotional burnout that people are... Yeah. Are really feeling. I realise I've completely now not talked about the burnout archetypes. No, no, <laughs> Went no, off on a tangent. I love it, darling. This is what I love about all of you. Is anyone listening? Go and listen to Selena. Like type Selena Barker into your podcast and listen to all of her interviews. <laughs> I, because I just love how real and in the moment you are, and you just, like you just come and go. Here we go. Here's a ton of gold. <laughs> Don't you worry. I'm just like hanging on every word. <laughs> I do love to talk. It's true. Yeah, but you just have so you just have a wealth of information to share, and I just anyone listening to this is going to be like having so many aha moments. (laughs) You know, it's incredible. 
good okay well i'll get on to so let me talk about the archetypes so you've got the overdoer the overdoer it's so often if you think about certainly our mum's generation and you think the mothers in it who never stopped and obviously they're women in our generation but they never stop they're just constantly doing we'll never sit down and rest there's always a to-do list and you know today often it's it's and it's women and of course it could be men as well but people who are just doing 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 and when they start getting into their burnout archetype so basically your burnout archetype is when you start being feeling under pressure and in comes what i call your inner shitty committee so your inner shitty committee is that inner critic that that negative critical voice that's always telling you you're not good enough you need to do more you know what if this happens you watch out for this you know be careful of this and piling on the pressure and when that comes in even if it's been triggered by a demanding boss or or you know things on the outside when it's triggered your inner shitty committee that's when you kick into overdrive and that's when you go into your burnout archetypes and and what i do say is the sort of the shadow side of your what's normally your superpower so the overdoer is that normally capable person that's just just always gets things done very efficient very very capable when they kick into overdrive they become the overdoer it's like they can't stop they won't stop it's like one to-do list after another and they become like a machine to stop Oh, absolutely. This, so this, all of this, your burnout archetype is you driven by fear, panic, urgency. What behaviour you click into. So the overdo is just doing, 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 feverishly doing, won't stop, can't stop, mustn't stop. The overgiver is the person that normally generous, caring, they love to be of service, but when the fear and the pressure kicks in and they kick into overdrive, they're saying yes, yes, yes to everything when they are way over capacity already, but they are afraid to say no. And they've almost lost the ability to recognize that they haven't got the capacity to take that on. They want to take it on, but they really can't be taking it on because they're already pouring from an empty cup. And there is always the overgivers and the people pleasers tend to be the overgivers where I say, you know, that saying you can't pour from an empty cup. Well, people pleasers and overgivers didn't realize that their cup ever ran out. Like, what? What do you... But, and that, you know, their cup is dry and they just think they've got a bottomless. And, and a huge part of this is recognizing, that's why so much of my book is about managing your energy. A huge part of it is recognizing we have limited energy. We have limited energy and we have limited time. And this is something the overachiever also has to understand. Because the overachiever, when they're in their, in their flow and they're in their power, they're the person with vision, with dreams, with ideas, with goals. They're like, oh my God, I want to do that. I want to do that. And they can make amazing things and make amazing things happen. But when they c- are coming from a place of fear and they kick into overdrive, they've rec- suddenly become this like grit and determination and they also have no kind of ability to judge whether what that goal that they're going for that thing they're going for is actually something they have the energy for right now you know so the overachiever tends to have huge amounts on their plate but they're determined that they will be able to make it happen they will sacrifice themselves in a heartbeat to make it happen and in fact all of these types are sacrificing themselves in order to get the to-do list done in order to be there for the people in order to make sure that vision happens and the overthinker is the one who tends to get the mental burnout so the the brain frazzle so they're you know in when they're in flow they're in their power the overthinker is that you know brilliant problem solver you know also can be coming up with ideas but a real kind of you know 
loves ideas loves problem solving but when they kick it they've got that fear behind them and they kick into overdrive it's almost like they feel like they're the ones waking up at 3am thinking what am I going to do about this what am I going to do about that the worry the anxiety can't switch off what you know they can't they struggle to go to sleep and it's almost like if I don't come up with the answer who will and you know it's this huge pressure we pile on ourselves feeling like we are the ones that have to hold it all we are the ones that have to do it all we're the ones that have to look after everyone we're the ones that have to figure it all out we're the ones that have to make this happen it's this feeling like that's where you become feeling so isolated like an island and it's that when that kicks and so it's it's a fun kind of way to explore um also called you know the shitty committee these burnout archetypes it's kind of a fun light way to explore the darkness of burnout (laughs) both what's driving it and the behavior because then also you can be like and also it's a way of being able to take a step back so you don't give yourself a hard time and say oh okay so it's not just me that does it right you know, and whenever I'm talking about the burnout archetypes, there's always one when I'm, particularly when I'm doing a, a you know, a podcast interview, the person on the other side, like you did just then, holds their head in their yeah, hands and they're like, oh, yeah, oh God. <laughs> and when you said the cup, I'm thinking, God, I like, I've been operating from the saucer. I, ch- I gave the cup away years ago. Yeah, I it all. I'm just like, survive off this it's fine exactly and there is there is a big thing there is you know a lot of the kind of putting ourselves on a cross sacrificing ourselves you know in different ways and and it's just really important to just recognize okay this is what i'm doing this is how i'm operating this is what's happening and now i can kind of see it in this um you know see it in this way and and it helps you to then recognize when it's starting to happen again but also helping you to recognize when you're in it now and that that is not who you are that is this a sign that you are being driven by fear that your shitty committee is in town and we need to do something about it because i think a lot of people again we accept but we also celebrate the overdoer the overgiver, the overthinker, and the overachiever. Like, we get badges for being those things. So it's really important to recognise that. And again, behind everything I I do really is a whole spirit of rebellion. (laughs) (laughs) Sod the system! Break it down! Anarchy! But, you know, and it is important to kind of just go, we do need to in order to break free from burnout, often we do need to unplug from these um, narratives that we have and question these narratives we have around productivity. We've got productivity so wrong, so wrong, you know, and um, and to just start to explore, okay, what does it actually take for us to thrive as human beings and not operate like machines? And that what, for me, writing this book, a lot of these things were, were things I was putting in tools that I already use with my clients, but I was learning a hell of a lot. And the thing that for me was the life-changing part of this book was discovering that the ingredients we need in order to thrive and feel good at work and in life mm-hmm. are the exact same ingredients that we need if our whole agenda is to learn how to be our most productive and perform our best at our best at work. And I was like, mind blown. Yes. <coughs> Excuse me. Because up until that point, yes, I, you know, the self-care, I knew it was important and I did it. But my ambition and my ego and my drive didn't give a flying monkeys whether I was feeling good or not. It was just like, pfft, 
really all about the results, really all about you achieving the results, success, goals, all this kind of thing. So there was always this sort of inner slight battle to make kind of insist that there be space for the self-care. As soon as I realised that actually the self-care, the managing my energy, feeling good was what I needed to do to be the best version of myself, to get ahead, to, to achieve the results, to be my most productive, to perform at my best. Suddenly my ambition and my ego and my drive were like, oh, oh, well, in which case, go for it. Rest, sure. Eat well, make time for exercise. We didn't realise that that was going to make you even better. Yeah. And so suddenly there's this peace that comes with that and I honestly when I finished the book bear in mind I wrote it during in the first lockdown That's and incredible. so I know I wouldn't have been able to write it in the third lockdown let me tell you yeah. I used it in the third lockdown to get me through the third lockdown so opening up the tools <laughs> um I felt more energized more at peace and more able to focus than I ever had really in my adult life like I had even though I'd broken out from burnout I felt fatigued a lot of the time. And again, I just sort of accepted it as the idea of vitality was something that other people got to have. And probably as someone, you know, a working mother, I've got a son, a working mother wasn't going to really experience that maybe until I was in my 50s, at which point, you know, I don't know, maybe it all starts, you start getting more tired anyway. Like, that was my mindset. And then I discovered, was learning all this stuff about how to manage your energy. And I was just like, oh my God, I can be, I can be a person with energy. I can be a person who experiences vitality. And most of all, it doesn't mean I don't get tired. Someone said the other day, gosh, I wish I was like you that never got tired anymore. I was like, "Uh uh-uh, I, (laughs) excuse me. I regularly feel tired. I haven't suddenly found the elixir of long-lasting life. I haven't, like, found some magic cure. But what I know now is when I'm tired and exhausted, I know what to do about it. I know exactly what I need to do. And then most of the time, I will do it. Sometimes I won't. Sometimes I'll self-sabotage and I won't do it. And then I'll, you know, a few days later, I'm like, right, come on. You've got to sort this out. You know what I love, though, Selena? Like, your honesty. So I follow your um, Monday crew newsletters and I listen to the Spotify little podcast. And what I love, and I can't remember, like, you came back from holiday and you were like, I'm going to keep hold of Yes. Selena. Holiday Selena. Yes. And there was one um, a couple of weeks ago where you were like, I'm just tired. So I am going to rest today. And that really inspired me because for me personally, on my little burnout recovery, um, I've just recently had a dip (laughs) where Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh God, I did it again. I had to deal with life stuff, you know, insurance claims and, and battles. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not what, I'm not the person I used to be. Like I used to be able to deal with this stuff and do my work and sort the kids out. And I was like, oh my God, this has wiped me. And because of you in your hammock, seeing that little <laughs> you in your hammock, I, it was Sunday, just last Sunday, I was like, actually, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna stay in bed. I'm gonna get up, have a shower, brush my teeth. Then I'm gonna put on new pajamas and I'm gonna stay in bed today. And like all the boys in my house, they don't care. They're like, oh, whatever she's not here to kind of get involved we can do whatever we want as well and I stayed in bed all day and I read and I watched a series and I did um like a class and it was so and I got up on the Monday and I was like oh my god I feel like I've had a week's holiday yeah and I've never done that before 
So I love what you're putting out there because yes, you're saying, oh my God, like I'm not, you know, superhuman and I also get tired. But the fact that you're having those conversations and putting them out there inspire so many of us to do the same. And because burnout, it's a big thing. So to me, my experience was I had to have that initial rest, but then I had to unpack a mm. lot of old habits. And because I've been called a machine at work, yes. and I, I took that as a, oh, phew, I'm doing a good job, as opposed to, oh, maybe I should find somewhere else to work. <laughs> No, you're right though. You're a machine. People yeah. say it as a compliment. So you're a machine. Compliment. And I took it as a compliment. Yeah. Well, the fact that I'd worked all night on this <gasps> report to get it in, even though six o'clock they were like, oh, we need this report by tomorrow morning. And I was like, oh, and my body would have gone into fight or flight. And I was so stressed. I can remember in tears, you know, you're just like that panic. And I did it. And the next day, exhausted, they said, oh my gosh, well done. You're like a machine. I was like, oh, thank God for that. That's so wrong. Now I'm looking through your book. It's so wrong. There's so much craziness in the world at the moment in the way that we work. And a a book that I really recommend is The Way We're Working Isn't Working by Tony Schwartz. And his book, Tony Schwartz and Jim Lower, who I mentioned, I even have them in in my acknowledgements in the book, their their book, The Powerful Engagement, where they they used to train um, tennis champions, Sampras and Sabatini, people like that. They then really teach them and and learning for themselves how to become a master at managing your energy and then they took this into the corporate workspace and it was reading their book where I suddenly went this is the missing piece this is how people can recover from burnout is learning how to first reclaim their energy fill back up their fill back up their cups their emotional cup but they get their physical physical energy back their mental energy which is to kind of really calm the nervous system down and sort of really get yourself into a calm and sort of focused place this they have the tools and so i was so hugely influenced by their book in terms of you know what it takes to manage your energy but i will say this you said something there where you know recently you've had a dip here's the thing i feel for example i know for sure and i spoke to many people in our 20s we have way more energy to be able to handle the amount of work the amount of partying perhaps that we did in our 20s and you get it's a bit like hangovers they get much worse as you get older you know so but in the same way we don't have the same energy capacity in fact actually tim tony schwartz and jim lower do say you can increase your energy capacity particularly through exercise and strengthening so you can increase your energy capacity but you definitely, you just don't have the same energy as you do in your 20s, which is why I think we, we do see, obviously, millennials are the ones that are burning out the most, according to research, and people are burning out younger and younger. However, I think the fact that we don't have that same energy available to us is a good thing. You know, and particularly after you've burnt out before, you can slip back into that, perhaps with a little more ease. And it's a good thing, because every time you do feel that exhaustion and that burnout, it's a signal going, um hi you need to really rest but i mean 
really rest remember how to rest now that's what you need to do and also for example i'm definitely becoming my body is a lot more sensitive so i throughout a large part of um the third lockdown started getting gastritis so it's like a burning just burning in the stomach crazy burning and none of the medication the doctors gave me would work apparently the meta one of the metaphysical reasons i found for gastritis was a prolonged sense of uncertainty and i was like well that would be the global pandemic but yeah. also it's about anger it's about resentment it's about stuff churning in the stomach and now because i've been working with a therapist on what you know what's the, the and actually looking at goddess archetypes which i've recently got back into which is just blowing my mind and this sort of angry energy which is wonderful to have but when it's too much it turns into this burning sort of sensation in my stomach now what happens is that my body it won't tolerate me being holding on to resentment and anger like it used to. I lived for years holding on to ang anger and resentment about certain things. Now, the smallest amount, my gastritis flares up instantaneously. I immediately have to look at what is making me so angry? What resentment am I holding on to? And I kid you not, I will f once I've got to it and I've kind of worked through it and I've sort of done some, done some work around it, it will go within a day. So my body's becoming more sensitive and i remember funny enough a few years ago realizing that i no longer had the capacity to work in the way that i used to and you might be like if your whole thing is you do want to work like a machine that can feel like a failure that can feel like you're weakening that can throw you into a sense of panic i was like brilliant great so it's like my body's become more sensitive it's it's not willing to tolerate Yes. The way that I used to work before, which at first when that happens, you're like, well, what do I do now? The only thing you can do in those moments is to lean into more self-care and learning really how to look after yourself. And now that now that I've discovered that doing things that really look after you and help you to feel good in body, mind and spirit are also the very same ingredients you need in order to be your most productive it's like it doesn't mean that we have to choose between looking after ourselves and feeling good or doing our best at work if that is important to you or doing your best as a parent or doing your best in making a difference in the world they are one and the same the more we look after ourselves the more we rest the more we care for ourselves the better we feel in our bodies the more we have to give to the world the better we will do at work and the better we'll be as parents or whatever it is that's important to you whatever it is you're wanting to contribute to the world and so that for me was the part that was like mind blown and oh made a huge goodness. difference to me absolutely oh my god that just hit the top <laughs> it's so funny you say about the stomach acid that is something i've had and now as you say like your body it's like my body will not let me go back to that place yeah it used to be but because i did it for a good like 40 years I, I'm I'm kind of struggling with the patterns and going, oh, what do you mean I can't have six things on my to-do list? I I should only have three. Yeah, oh, I, it's really it's really making me do the work on yes. a level and unpack stuff and where I'm getting my self worth because you just you carry on with your life, you're <gasps> doing it, and now I'm going, my God, why am I getting my self worth from others? Well, self-esteem, self-esteem and self-worth also in the stomach. 
so that could also yeah because i i mean i love to look at um you know alter like looking at what's the body telling me and so i've got a book on chakras that i got years ago and i'll look at that as well and in when i was looking up around gastritis and burning in the stomach and it's the i don't i mean i'm not an expert in this stuff but it's the third chakra and um it's it is around self-esteem and it is around self, you know, how you value yourself. And so it's like, you need to look at that as well and what's going on there. And so, um, yeah, it's our bodies are so wise and they're communicating to us all the time. And if we, if we can listen to them and they, and if we don't listen to them, they will force us to listen to them. And that's what burnout is. Yeah. It's your body going, Oi, hello, oh. this isn't working. We're done. We're done. You, you we, have we've been giving you the signals for such a long time you haven't listened so watch this you can't work now you're yeah. that ill you've made yourself that unwell you yeah. actually can't even handle reading an email <laughs> yeah. yes because you know what a very sad thing i can remember like a good six months before i burnt out where i was like heart attack symptoms on the floor wow. i i think one of my sons had like a, a flu like a stomachy flu and I, I, you know, how you're sorting them out. And I was, you know, getting them all tucked up into bed, getting everything sorted for them. And I sat with them and I can remember thinking, oh my God, I could actually, if I got this flu, it wouldn't be a bad thing. Mm. I get to lie in bed. Yeah. Now, oh my God, I look back on that time. And I'm like, why didn't you just go, you know what? I'm going to have a little lie down in bed. I'm going to just relax. I'm going to take some time off. Why, why did I need something to remove me from the situation as opposed to going, you know what, Flickers, you've done a lot of work recently and you're a little bit worn, frazzled, round, burnt around the edges. Get yourself into bed. Take a, it's like I needed something else to take control. Exactly. And actually, I say, so that I have in the book a burnout SOS where I say, right at the start well, of the book, as you know, I say, if you are feeling burnt out right now, do not read any more of this book apart from go to the burnout SOS section. It's about three pages. It's going to tell you what to do when you're feeling a little bit more like yourself and you feel like you're a little bit of energy back and you can handle reading anything or even choosing what you're going to eat for dinner. When that doesn't overwhelm you, then come back and read the rest of the book. And in the burnout SOS, I say, treat yourself like you've got really bad flu. Yeah. What would you do if you had really bad flu? Because this is just as bad and it needs to be treated like you've got really bad flu. So cancel your plans unless it's meeting up with a friend and going for a gentle walk and actually that would really help. But right now you need to prioritise your rest and recovery and do whatever you need to do to just help to calm your nervous system and nourish yourself and rest you need to put yourself first because you're not well and it is like you've got a really bad flu and I will say I've I've had mothers admit to me that they had sometimes their second even sometimes they've mentioned the third child because deep down they just wanted a break from work <laughs> i'm like um but it's extraordinarily exhausting raising a child like yeah but it i felt like then i had an excuse to not be working because I was having a child and I was like what because it's like you know you can't just rest because you need it or take time off from work because you've already got one or two children and actually that and work is a bit much no I have to have an excuse and a reason so I'll have another child and that to me is like 
obviously I'm not saying that's everyone's reason for having another child but it's it is scary how often that has been said to me in retrospect yes. at least part of the reason because then people get to have time off and and an excuse to do it and it's just like phew, what we've that's why we just we got to question so much about the way that we are working and, and we really do yeah we really do and giving ourselves the permission you know, I can remember doing um, a workshop with Elizabeth Gilbert and she, part of her workshop is to write yourself a letter from the principal, from the headmistress or the headmaster. And I will give Flick Taylor permission to and write down what you oh my want God. for. But it's almost in the voice of <laughs> principal or the headmaster. That's so and, cool. And I was doing it. I was like, oh my goodness. Like... This is crazy that we we are almost hardwired to only have permission from other people. Yeah, and from an authority figure. Yes. Someone allowing me to do it, someone who can tell me what I can do. But of course we do, because that was we were indoctrinated in that system for our entire education. Yeah. You know, must look to this other person. What am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? Because it's not intuitive what's right and wrong at school, actually. Because asking too many questions, running around, nope, have to sit down, have to be still. Well, that's not intuitive to a child. So now we have to look to someone so we don't get told off. And we have to do as they say. You know, yeah. so then it's like, of course we're indoctrinated with taking, you know, being given permission to do what we want to do. By, by a headmaster or headmistress. Like, this is what I mean, though, by recognising the systems that are in place um, that actually don't have our well-being, you know, don't have our best interests at heart. You know, it's... it's And, and I, I love Seth Godin, and he talks a lot about the education system. Um, I mean, he's from he's from north america but it's it, any anywhere pretty much i think it, it's it relates but how it this post-industrialist approach to education is that you're training children to become factory workers to become obedient factory workers the factory nowadays open plan office doing whatever you know it can look like a fancy creative agency it still looks like a factory you know, even the open plan offices, I oh, don't need walls, don't need doors, just put them all on the tables, work, 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 work. And be, you know, you know, watched. Presenteeism and exactly and all the rest of it. Can't trust you to just get on, do it, you know, and we've got to keep, you know, tracking you, keep our eyes on you because your children who left your own devices will just run off and run around. Like, we're trained into that. And so we're not trained to follow our intuition and you know listen to our body and listen to our needs and you know even even more so women you know and i talk about this again in the book you know that the the different rhythms that we we all have as human beings and the different cycles that you know affect us but particularly if you've got you know um a menstrual cycle or then perimenopause and menopause which is you know I'm I'm watching the horizon, seeing it coming towards me, uh, looking at others who've gone before me, going, okay, so what do I ha what do I have? Okay, right, there's a wow, there's a whole new world that I got to you know get ready for, yeah. and we have to be able to, to, you know, look after ourselves in that and go with those ebbs and flows and and work with that, and we can't do that if we're trying to if we're trying to work like machines, which is why from a very young age. I chose to work for myself because <clears throat> yes. I wanted to have that freedom. I yes. wanted to have that freedom to be more human. 
And I bet watching your dad as well. Yes. A conscious kind of... To- me and my brother are both work for ourselves. Oh, yeah. I'm going to call it life-work balance because, I, as I said in my last Monday crew message, I don't know if you saw it, I was like, why are we saying work-life balance and putting work first? Why are we doing this? Like, life-family-fun-work balance is what I'm doing this summer. Nice. Um, but... Yes, my brother and I both, we've got a really good life-work balance and we work for ourselves and it's, yeah, and very differently to how my dad did um, because of what we saw, we saw him go through. And that doesn't mean we didn't inherit his workaholic gene. So we do still have to really work on that. (laughs) Keep yourself in check. But it's interesting, Selena, because I get DMs for mums and a common thread is i just i need to get better because i i just feel so badly for my kids my son my daughter and every time i don't know it may be similar with your clients every time like little eyes are watching you so the fact that you are prioritizing your health your cells that is such a powerful message for your kid. They're they're watching this. They're seeing this. That can only hold them in good stead for their future life. Yeah. We need to be these role models that fight against that old system and and look after ourselves. Yeah, and you know what kids don't care about? How tidy the house is. Oh what my the God. kids what the kids don't care about is how many after school activities they do. What the kids don't care about is whether they're just lying on a sofa watching a film that actually you would quite like to watch too, or going and doing something that actually you feel like you really need. But what you know, there's so much that we can do with our kids that is giving us what we need. And I often say to parents, like, write a list of things that you really feel like you need to kind of start nourishing your soul and getting your energy back so there'll be exercise there'll be um maybe lying and watching a film getting out in nature getting outdoors making things just for the sake of making cooking just for the pleasure of cooking all of these things we can do with our children yeah so how about on weekends during the holidays time off you actually rather than going hey what do you guys want to do or playing some boring <laughs> my son comes to me and says will you play cars i'm like no you know that i don't play cars here are your options i will play these three or four, you know three to five games that yeah. right now i actually want to play and they're games of his i'm not like let's play backgammon you know he's six i'm not like i'll play you at chess or a hard game of tennis i'm like you know i'll choose from his list of options of many things i want to play no i'm not going to be playing cars or dinosaurs he can play that with his friends he can play that with his father like i don't have to play every game he wants i don't feel guilty about that because i still will play with him or i'll be like i tell you what let's go we're going to the park oh in fact i won't say shall we i'm like we're going to the park and we're going to do this he's like all right because i want to get out in nature from really young age i used to get holding onto trees and cuddling trees and saying what do you think this one because i love doing that and age three he'll do anything i suggest he'll do they love cuddling trees and doing that so i think it's we can do a lot more it's not about well this is children time so it's all about them and then i'll squeeze in some me time get all that the stuff you need to nourish you all that you know those things you need you know you need to nourish you to have fun to like weave it in like combine it with the the time you spend with your kids it's not like 
two separate categories and yeah. be creative and but like I say kids don't care if the house is tidy I know for some people a tidy house is really important for their mental well-being like I get that I'm a quite an untidy person so I don't care if uh, my unfortunately my partner does care if the house is a little untidy but so we're finding a way we're finding our way through this but um you know keeping your house tidy and making sure they've got a meal cooked from scratch like they're not going to care the kids love a pizza. they're not going to remember that no exactly and so it's just really important to sometimes let those things go or also get in help as well recognize yes. where you actually you just need to get in help yeah it's a big one I know Sally, when I chatted to Sally Beaton, um, she's a holistic nutritionist, and she said, like, we need more, women need more pleasure in their Absolutely. life. Absolutely. And that the fact that we deny ourselves, we put others first, when we play, if, oh, he wants to play cards. Oh, my God, I bloody hate playing cards. I'll play cards. Actually, that's quite a stress on your nervous system. Yes. You're not doing something that you want to and get pleasure in. And yes. And your son would actually get just as much fun playing, I don't know, shoots and ladders than, you know, stakes and ladders as opposed to cards. You know, it just goes to show, yesterday I took mine out to um, a local green space we have. It's beautiful because I saw my oldest son starting to get a little bit, bit antsy little bit and i was yeah. like okay you go on your bike i'll go we'll take alfie and we'll go over here we'll meet you there and we all sat under a tree just yeah. chatting reading a bit chatting and afterwards i was like oh you can tell the energy it's just diffused that tension and yeah. when you do things like that with your kids not only are you helping yourself yeah. like you think our kids would be like oh feeling a bit rotten you know what mum used to always take us to this green space yes so it's that really positive programming so not only are you helping yourself but like do it because it's it's perfect modeling or even saying oh mum used to take us to that green space when she was feeling a bit antsy and a fit you know <laughs> and we'd go with her and she would say you know what i really need right now i need to be amongst the trees i'm feeling a bit oh you know all over like i feel like i need to be calm why don't you come with me let's all go and and yeah. so again that's modeling it i think you're right we need to have more pleasure and and to give ourselves permission to introduce the ingredients we need to feel well to feel good as parents and yeah. introducing those as family activities but also being open about the fact of i need this why don't we all go yes you know i really need to have a day of screens off and let's make some stuff yeah and like you know just there's so much that what we need is something that kids are going to get on board with anyway yes absolutely and it's those lovely positive memories and who knows yeah. what unfolds from it who knows what blossoms from it yeah you know i think that's so important and what i would like to talk about selena if you've still yes. got time is there any way you can quickly talk about exercise yes absolutely so, all my life i have seen exercise as a chore so do very little and if i have done it i've gone all full in and then i've gone oh what do that again you changed my mind like you blew my world when i read about exercise can you share that with us 
Yeah, well, it blew my world what I learned about exercise and writing this book. So exercise is thing. I was really sporty at school. Like, I loved doing sports. I was always doing stuff, played tennis, played netball, swam, like, did all sorts of things. And, but when I, when I became an adult, as I grew older, I just stopped doing that stuff. And I really started to view exercise as something that you had to do or you chose to do, either because it was like a hobby. Like, some people like to do sports, other people's hobby is painting, other people's hobby is reading reading books lying in bed I didn't see it as you know something that everyone needed to be doing and if it did seem like something everyone needed to be doing it was something to control your weight and basically it was the patriarchy telling me I had to look a certain way as a woman and have toned toned abs and be a certain weight so I was just like there was nothing appealing and if I went for a run it wasn't about like the motivation behind it was like I should and so I had already started to really look into resilience how to build resilience and I and I knew that exercise was important for that and I had started running but it was one of those things I kind of picked up and put down I'd go for months without doing anything but as I was learning about how to manage your energy it just kept coming up again and again and yeah. again yeah and the most important thing you can do is exercise and by exercise I mean it's movement so it's anything that gets your heartbeat going and gets your muscles moving and flexing so it can be vigorous housework it can be dancing around it can be playing with your kids but like playing it or whatever it is it doesn't have to be going to the gym it can be going to the gym and it can be doing a sport and anything that gets your heartbeat going your body moving and what I discovered was it's essential like that what I my partner always used to say to me because I was off so often fatigued he'd be like you know what you really need to do you need to do some exercise and I was like do you know what I do not need to hear is you telling me to exercise I don't have energy as it is nor do I have much time and if I do exercise I'll have even less energy I didn't realize that exercise gives you energy i didn't i had no idea i did not know i just i had never been told like on the magazines you don't have messages like hey this exercise will really boost your self-esteem give you energy and release stress it's all about toning having buns of steel and getting your body you know summer ready and all the rest of it and so i was just like i'm gonna give this a try so as I was writing the book and it was taking a lot of energy, I would do these little experiments. Like I can do, do a HIIT workout, 20 minutes, it's not too long. Um, and suddenly, lo and behold, I would have more energy. And not just physically more energy, but my mental capacity, it charged up my sort of, you know, on the, on the mental energy side of it. So I was feeling really fatigued, writing, writing, writing. I'd go and do exercise, it would release the stress, but it would, it would completely renew my energy. So suddenly I came back and I could do another couple of hours of writing, which if I hadn't done the exercise, no way. I would have, could have tried, but nothing, any good, nothing of any sort of quality would have come out of me. So I was learning how much it does does for your brain and adds um you know oxygen and it it sort of releases stress but also for your mood so your emotional cup it it's a mood booster you know it has a whole cocktail of um sort of chemicals that are released when you do exercise but it also helps you to feel stronger when you're doing as your body feels stronger on the outside you feel stronger on the inside it does help you to build resilience it does help you with self-confidence and so you know sometimes if i'm feeling a bit flat or I'm feeling a bit negative or I'm a mood exercise can really help to put things in a fresh perspective and sort of you know boost my mood it can also be at the moment I'm doing a slow down summer and I'm really not wanting to do any hit workouts and I'm doing 
running around with my son nice and gentle yoga that's oh, what and so you know so it's also not like i haven't suddenly become like a gym bunny i mean i'll never go to a gym there's no part of me that wants to go to a gym but i have discovered the joy of hit workouts and i can do for the first time in my whole life i can do push-ups so and i can do up to about six or seven in a row that's brilliant i know so I'm stronger than I ever have been. And it's like, and you and you do feel, I do feel the difference. My energy is so much better because I now understand the importance of moving your body. So sleep and rest, nice deep breathing, good food, good nourishing of body, lots of water. All of that is really good for physical energy, but movement is absolutely essential. Absolutely. So yeah. if you're sitting at a desk all day, and I notice now the difference, now I'm doing an eight-hour working week over the summer holidays, and so I'm not on my desk, I'm not feeling the same levels of fatigue as I normally do, but normally if I'm working whole day at the desk, on the computer, I need to do those HIIT workouts to recharge my batteries. Otherwise, come three or four o'clock, when I pick up my son, um, all I'm wanting to do is lie on the sofa. So, you know, I use it now. I recognise the power of it to give me energy. Yeah. It was just, I no one had ever met, obviously my partner was saying this for many years and I was not listening. But as <laughs> busy working mums, as women, like you don't, you, that's not your default to go and do exercise. It really yeah. isn't, is no. it? No. And it's really good for, it's really good for getting a bit of me time as well. Yes yes you absolutely. Know. go for a walk listen to a podcast go and do some yoga do some stretching anything yeah. i was talking to a guest and she had um a medical condition and her doctors were saying they had to put on some quite harsh anti-inflammatory medication she said give me a month i'll do exercise every day give me a month i'll see if i can bring those scores down and she did wow. when she told me that i was like oh my god <laughs> yeah like movement is so important yeah so important yeah yeah. And it can look, it can, you know, doesn't have to look how we think exercise needs to look as well. So it's, yes. it's you know, I think also when you're burnt out, very gentle exercise. Yeah. You know, when I've been really exhausted doing a HIIT workout the next day, it's like not done me any good. I felt more exhausted the next day. So it is also recognising what capacity you have what energy you have to actually engage in you know how rigorous you want that exercise to be yeah. any kind of movement basically happen into your intuition what what your body feels it, it could benefit from like yeah. do it yeah yeah exactly, exactly. just oh. plug myself in oh yes absolutely <laughs> oh honestly selena i could talk to you for hours and hours and hours on the burnout like this has been an incredible, incredible chat. I, I, I've said to you before, like, I really wished I'd had your book three, four years ago, two years ago, a year. Like, it's so incredible. It's just an amazing guide. And, oh, I just hope anyone listening to this goes out and gets it. And goes out and gets it and gets another copy to give to a friend because we all know <laughs> of someone else who is struggling who they're not quite there yet they're not quite looking to get the help or do and if you could just go here you'll thank me this for later on like if you could just do that it would be yeah that's the thing thank you yes, it's absolutely incredible now before you go i've been asking guests like quick fire light-hearted questions yeah are you up for it i am okay so on your dodgy tough days do you opt for lemon in water or lemon in gin? 
Oh, oh, okay. I'm going to say lemon and water. Once upon a time, it would have been lemon and gin, but these yeah. days, it's, it's lemon and water. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Move your body or move the remote. Oh, move your body, hundred yeah. percent. Okay. Bag of almonds or bag of Maltesers? Bag of Maltesers. I can't deny it. Sugar is my go-to comfort. When I'm feeling, when it's on, I'm in, in the midst of a tough day, I go to the shops and I get myself chocolate or biscuits or chocolate yeah. biscuits. Yeah, I chocolate just, biscuits, in yeah. tea. Oh my God, heaven. I just did that last week. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ask for help or are you happy to hermit? Ask for help, 100%. Oh, you're so good. That's the key. Ask That's for help. Key. Yeah. I've, I've had to learn that. I've all of this I've had to learn. I've had to learn that. I've also had to learn, it took a while to learn about the lemon and water, not the yeah. gin and lemon. I love a gin and lemon as well, but it's, yeah, I don't I don't reach for that anymore. I know, because I was day. in that loop of all the coffee to get me through to all the wine. Yeah. And all the coffee <laughs> from all the, like it was just this loop. That's it. That's yeah. what so many people get stuck yeah. in. Yeah, exactly. You're never going to feel vitality with that. No, no. But yeah. it's hard when you're in that loop. Anyone Oof, I lived in it for years. Lived yes. in it for years. Yeah, exactly. Now, what's the one thing you're going to do today in the name of self-care that your future self is going to thank you for? Ooh, I'm going to give myself some time. I don't know if my future self is going to thank me for it, but myself today, I'm going to give myself for some time reading a novel on the oh. sofa. So I will just have to let my son know that for half an hour, it's me time. And yeah, that's a little luxury I normally only afford myself just before bed, I suppose, or on holiday. But as I'm in this sort of semi-slowed down summer, from doing an eight an eight hour week, I'm... Um, yeah, I'm going to give myself that as a little oh, treat. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, Selena, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank and, you. And, oh, my gosh, it's been an absolute joy. It really has. And Likewise. I will put in the show notes where everyone can find your stuff. And I'm telling you now, anyone listening, sign up for her Monday newsletters, her Monday Club News. They're brilliant. And, yeah, absolutely incredible work that you're doing thank you so much selena I thank really you so much thank you i can't wait to hang out more on instagram i'll see you over there. <laughs> over there oh lovely well thank you so much thank okay. you take care bye bye Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Everyday Burnout Conversations. Please check the show notes for any links to items discussed today. And the original music and sound editing is by Chris Taylor. If you've enjoyed this podcast and have a spare few minutes, then it would be absolutely amazing if you could leave me a happy starry rating and review. It really does help this podcast reach a little further. And I just love it to land in the lap of those who, like me, last year are perhaps feeling isolated and lonely in their burnout struggle. Please note this podcast is not intended as medical advice. Remember you matter so don't hesitate to reach out to your doctor or mental health professional for support if you're having a rough time. Wishing you a great week and take good care of yourself. Bye for now.